0: You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion dollar brand Quest Nutrition on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success.
1: Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I'm your host Tom Bilyeu and I am here with the legend Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. What is up? How's it going? It's going very well, thank you. It is raining outside. It's raining. For the first time in LA. Yes. This season. So LA is going to stop burning, which is very exciting. That's good. Are the fires still going? I think it was like 92% contained up in Ventura, okay, the last okay. I heard. This ought to, well, assuming that it goes that far, out of yeah. squelch. That, so very exciting. And then bring on the mudslides. Bring on the mudslides. We literally got a warning in the middle of a meeting, which I was like, what is happening now? Yeah. But yeah. So LA. So LA. Drizzle um, and the hillsides evaporate. It's pretty crazy. Yes, exactly.
0: So this is after impact, the show where we unpack the impact of this this week's episode with Tucker Max. Tucker, Tucker Max. Max, the infamous. Yes, Tucker
1: Max. Literally, probably the perfect word for Tucker Max. Yeah. He is but just a indeed. lovely human being these days. He has changed so much, dude. It's crazy. And not so definitely one of the first things I wanted to talk to him about was transformation. I did not expect it to be the entire episode. And that was really cool. Rewatching it, I was like, wow, like we really went in on this. I'll be really excited to see how people respond to this one. Yeah. I think he gave a lot of amazing information about yes. how to actually change yourself. He went in on. Um, uh oh god what's that form of therapy talk therapy psychoanalysis uh, psychother- yeah psychoanalysis i was really impressed very straight, interesting straight freud straight freud indeed so um, that was cool i i had
0: no idea but when we this is probably when we started the company immediately people when we were putting out content people were like tom when are you gonna write your book and they're like oh if you write your book you should do book in the box and like mm-hmm. how many people were like you should do book in the box book in a box I had no idea it was Tucker Max until I saw the episode. Really? I was like, that's his company? Oh, wow.
1: See, I learned about it through Ryan Holiday. So I knew it was Tucker Max. But um, yeah, like really interesting. Not what I would have expected. Like when he told me that Tucker Max had started his company, I'm like, wait a second. The guy behind I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell? and uh so he is very interesting and because and i talk about this in the episode because i had read i hope they serve beer in hell like i had this snapshot of who he is and so when i met him i was like i don't know what to expect because we were speaking at the same event and he was such a nice guy and so i was like wait is this one of those guys that actually is a nice guy but just projects himself Uh as an asshole like that's such a weird persona thing right to because you get the other mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. people are legitimately a dick, yeah. but they present themselves as a nice guy. Uh-huh. But so backstage, I was like, wow, this guy's like really nice. And when he went on stage, though, and I realized, whoa, he must have really changed because his whole speech presentation was awesome. Yeah. And I just thought, whoa, like not what I expected from this guy, which then put him on my radar as somebody we should get on the show. Yeah. And it was a great episode. And that's
0: actually one of the first points he makes, which I thought was really, really strong. And that is... You know, you asked him like sort of how did you change, mm-hmm. and he said it, it. It. You can't change your persona; you can only change yourself and then be authentic. And he walked through that process of back when I had that persona of being kind of the, you know, this rakish character who was also kind of kind of a jerk. Like that's who I was. Right. You know, that's who I was authentically. And 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 then he went through this process of transformation, which he talks about in the episode. And that's who he is now. So he's not. He's not projecting something. Mm-hmm. He's just being authentic. That's something that you talk a lot about is authenticity. Authenticity. So how do you know if you're actually making real self-change or just presenting something to people, presenting a new persona, but you think you're actually different?
1: Wow, that's interesting. Because for me, it I, uh, a, I am a terrible actor. B, I really subscribe to the thing that if you don't lie, you don't have to worry about, remembering what lie you told mm. and i remember this was something that i was really obsessed with at quest so part of the reason that um i wanted out of awareness technologies when we were there was i felt like i was just trying to be a slick marketer and that didn't make me feel like myself and so one of the things i kept saying to my partners was i want to be myself like i want my personality to shine through and i didn't have the words authenticity transparency back then nobody was talking about that so i just kept saying i want to be myself i want to be who i really am and and that to me like the only tool or gimmick that i have is i have such a desperate desire to just be who i really am so that i can enjoy the process that my self-realization of that collided with the birth of social media and i think a lot of my success is due to that so I've never struggled with that question of like, oh, how do I know that I'm really being, like, dude, like, is there not, and honestly, I'm asking, is there not like an internal thing that everybody has where you know when you're really being yourself and when you're not? Like, I get hit up a lot for, Tom, man, please stop swearing. Like, I wanna show this to my class or whatever, and I can't because you're swearing. And I'm like, but fuck, like, that's real to who I am. And I remember having to cross that bridge back at quest with inside quest was do i swear do i not because i actually thought swearing was bad for the brand but i was like the only thing that's worse for the brand is somebody saying i met this guy backstage and he is not at all like he presents himself yeah and i thought that would be terrible and so the reality is i swear because i actually like swear words i think that they're really powerful um and so i would feel totally fake not
0: swearing And I remember that even in the beginning, people were starting to come at you and say, stop swearing. And I actually, I think, brought it up and said, maybe we should consider this. (laughs) Because to me, I was thinking, well, this would open up such a bigger audience. But um, you definitely... Convinced me over time that it's more powerful to just be true to yourself. So,
1: and and I I don't like it depends on how you define power because Ryan Holiday says you know I would write swear I swear as a person so I swore in my books and people kept writing me like hey what are you doing and he was like I really assessed it and thought have. Have I ever thought that swearing actually made the book better? And he was like, actually, I don't. And so I stopped. And now the guy just sells like a gajillion books, right? So I've often thought like we really would reach a wider audience. But the thing that I think is one of my superpowers is when I'm being passionate on camera, I'm not faking the funk. Like, when you see me get into that mode, I've managed to get myself into that. Now, I don't exist in that state all the time, but I know how to get myself. I know how to trigger myself and get into that state. And part of it is, like, using all that language has to offer. And some of that, like, when I'm really in the zone, I'm actually more apt to swear because of how it makes me feel. So it becomes, like, this this power-inducing loop. But I don't actually think that it helps me pull more people out of the matrix. So I've really actually struggled with feeling like in some ways I limit the size or the number of people that I can go after. Hmm. That's an interesting
0: one because I do think that a well-placed curse word from a rhetorical and a performative standpoint is really, really like it's so powerful. And I think, I think it can really reach people on an emotional level. So maybe we're not hitting as quite as many people, but the people you are hitting are reacting more emotionally. I like
1: to think. Yeah. And here's the thing, dude. One thing that we're finding for all the swear haters out there, our content that performs the best <laughs> is content with swearing. Yeah. And often content that where, like, an F-bomb is in, like, the, the main quote image. It's yeah. crazy. And so that's just the data. Yep. So. um, Okay. One thing
0: that Tugger talks about is, you know, this, this hole that he was trying to fill in Mm. his soul with, um, you know, with fame. And I want to ask you, do you think people, um, I want to ask you if you believe that, do you think people who chase money and fame
1: are trying to fill a hole? That's really, um, interesting. I obviously went through that as I was talking to him and after watching the episode again, I was thinking, man, that, that you hear that enough that Mm. I know that it's a very real, swath of humanity that that's exactly what they're going through. Um, Jim Carrey, right, talks about how when you get rich and famous is not the answer, I promise. Yeah. Um, But looking at my own life, definitely wasn't a hole I was trying to fill. And so when I started out, I wanted to be a comedian and then that just sort of wore off. And I think part of the reason that that wore off for me was I didn't have a need to be the center of attention. It's kind of fun, but I didn't have a need to do it. So there wasn't enough, like once I saw Mitch Hedberg, which I've told you the whole story and I realized what good really looked like, um, I was like, I don't need it like that. So I'm not gonna put in the time and the energy to get that good. So the things that have, pushed me to pursue like, for instance, the reason that I have a big house and don't have fancy cars is I couldn't care less about fancy cars. They don't do anything for me emotionally. But a house to me is a piece of art that you can live in. And there's like, I respond on like a really deep limbic system level to art. And that's why I'm so big into film. And so all of that. So it's like the big house has never been like a a sign of wealth or a symbol or anything for me. It is that's how I respond. I once toured a $250 million house. Whoa. Dude. Like, it was amazing. It was <laughs> amazing. And I remember just thinking, like, this is cool. This is, like, deeply aspirational for me. It was so awesome, like, emotionally. Yeah. So I've never felt like I was... I want to get better because I have reinforced myself a deep dissatisfaction with who I am today, but not in a self-destructive way. This is not the forum to talk about that. Watch all my other content. I've gone in on this a thousand times, but I definitely push myself to do more, achieve more because I think I can. And that's what really excites me. But the fact is the reason that I keep coming back when people are talking about, you know, how do I find that thing that I'm passionate about or how do I push through the hard times, all that, like you push through the hard times because there's something in your life that you're excited by. Mm -hmm. So I've always been motivated by that. The reason I keep coming back to that is that it's so fundamentally true to me. Like for me, it's always been about doing things, getting in a lane, pushing myself for something that I'm really excited about. So I think there's two types of people, those that move towards and those that move away. So I think that a lot of people, there is that pain, that wound, something that they're, honestly moving away from like that feeling of loneliness or fear, whatever, which Tucker talked about in the episode. And then there's other people that are moving towards the excitement, the pleasure, the fun. And I've naturally started as just a move towards person. And I've fed into that myself. So I think that is very real. I think there's a huge number of people for whom that is incredibly true. And he did, he it's really amazing how raw and honest and open he was about the way that he grew up and how Mm -hmm. that affected Mm him. Um, I just didn't, that wasn't how I came
0: up. Yeah. And one of the things that I liked um, when he explained his upbringing was, you know, he, he acknowledged the fact that he had a good childhood, you know, he had parent, he had all the support he needed. He had parents. It wasn't like he didn't grow up tough, but he said that, you know, the, through the psychoanalysis and the therapy he did, he really started to put the pieces together that there was some emotional sort of, um, you know, Short shortcomings in his mm. life that he needed to address somehow. And I think that's too, it's like, I think people, because we talk about this all the time, that it's you, the game you're playing is brain chemistry, right? And I think sometimes people can be in a depressed state or, um, you know, they're not happy with their lives, but they've had a lot of success or they've had support their whole lives. And it's like, well, what do I have to be mm. upset about? What do I have to be depressed about? But like you said, it's it's um, it's just your brain that you're trying to uh,
1: to battle. Against. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it is a neurochemical state. So what I like is, you know, he talked about that and said that just because I didn't grow up hard or there was food on the table doesn't mean that what I was going through wasn't really bothering me, upsetting yeah. me, leaving a mark on me. And, you know, I mean, that's true. Like when you look at the unimaginable things that a human being has gone through. So take Viktor Frankl, right? Entire family killed in the Holocaust, um, goes through five different concentration camps, like the number of people that he knew and loved that he saw killed. And I mean, just like, can you imagine? Or like the people in Rwanda that see their family hacked to death with machete. It's like, dude, there's a level of suffering B-Roth, That's like on another level. Oh, yeah. There, the I was just reading um, somebody talking about this article that I'd read a while ago about this girl who, until she was fourteen, lived in like this tiny basement. Um, either her or her brother couldn't ever stand up straight, and so like they came out like hunched. Their eyes were messed up because they were never like they were always in the dark. They'd never been touched by sunlight. I mean, it's like what do you like? That's, that's pure insanity, yeah, right? That's crazy. So you could easily go. Oh well, then they're literally I was beaten by my parents, but like, how does that even compare to watching somebody get hacked to death by a machete right so but the reality is that the the grand spectrum of human suffering means virtually nothing to any one individual and in what they're going through in their moment so um and I thought Tucker really put his his finger on that pretty profoundly, and so being willing to own that that's real, and then one thing that I I wanted to bring up in the interview, but it just didn't feel right, and then I remembered it again when I was re-watching. They did this study, and they created a metal monkey and a carpet monkey, and the carpet monkey had nothing, and the metal monkey had food, and they put a baby monkey in and they wanted to see where it would spend the majority of its time. Would it spend with the cold monkey mother that had food or would it spend its time with the other monkey that had nothing but had the, like the fur, right? The, mm-hmm. the comfort factor. Mm-hmm. And what they found was it would sit on the fur-covered um, mother like the whole time, whole time, whole time. And then it would run over to the metal monkey really fast and then come back. Because... Those emotional needs, that need for touch and comfort, and like it really can't be overstated. And here's the crazy part, dude. If you don't touch an infant, it will die. How weird is that? What? How weird is that? Now, this is obviously proven out in monkey models, but like the fact that, and I don't know that this is true for humans, but I would assume that it is if it's true in other primates, that without affection, it will die. So you... Even though, in the grand spectrum of horrifying shit, like being not getting enough love from your parents seems a rate pretty low. Like it can really mess with people.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Is that, did they talk about that in Homo Deus? I don't remember. Because I came across it in a book recently, and that's what I'm reading right now. But,
1: ooh, I, I love that book. We could so derail, but we won't. Yeah, we won't. We won't. Um, I don't remember, but I, I've come across that several times. Okay.
0: Yeah, famous study, right? Um, just in the way that he retells his story, you can really see that he's just gone through this extremely profound transformation and he's really gotten perspective on things. And, um, you know, I, I, in the fact that he's sort of like acknowledging that his problems, he's like, well, you know, of course, when my movie failed, like how, how much of a first world problem is this? Mm -hmm. Like he's, you can tell that he's really done a lot of reflection, which I, it was cool to see, um. And, I, and the big thing, too, is the taking ownership of, for his failing. So I wanted to ask you about that, because I think you guys talked about that you know quite a bit in the episode, and I know you're big on ownership as well, and you're wearing the it's everything literally is my fault And I
1: thought that uh, when I was coming down to shoot this is, yeah, I mean, literally, that to me is is the breakthrough that anyone's ever going to have. Like once you really recognize that no matter what happens in your life, you've got two choices. You can find the very real truth of all the other people that played into that, that um, you could easily blame. And he talks about that, you know, being able to very clearly articulate and justify in your own mind how this is other people's fault. And, And oftentimes, and this is the problem that I have with excuses, the super dangerous part about an excuse is how valid they are. Like, they're legit, man. Like, you've got a thousand reasons why your life is not the way that you want it to be, and they're all legit. And he says that. He's like, I'm really good at rationalizing things and
0: finding a story. And I was like, I fall into that trap sometimes, too.
1: Don't we all? But the catch is recognizing the power of not doing that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the reason that I wear this shirt, the reason that I think about this notion is that at the end of the day, Even if it's not all my fault, even if objectively you just get everyone to agree, it's just not your fault, dude. That doesn't help. It only helps with soothing my ego. But soothing my ego does not move me towards my goals. So what good is that exercise? There are other ways to soothe your ego, which is to say, um, I could make a different choice and get a different outcome. So it's not a permanent state, right? Being victimized may not be an option, but you can decide to not be a victim. So moving forward, I can change it. I can do something differently. I can focus on another area. You know, um, people have talked about that have been abused, have talked about how, the abuse happened once or in a finite period of time but obsessively thinking about it allows them to continue abusing me even though like i mean i know them see them touch them talk to them they may be dead but like they're still abusing me because that's where i'm allowing myself mm-hmm. to focus so it's like yes agreed like that was shitty whatever that thing is that happened but now you get to make a new choice every day to put your energy and your focus somewhere else so Owning all of that moving forward, owning it and saying like, I can make a different choice, even just shifting my focus or even looking at asking one of my favorite questions and mad shout out to Tony Robbins. This is totally him. said... Ask yourself how the worst thing that ever happened to you is actually the best thing that ever happened to you. And if you've seen this documentary, I'm Not Your Guru, talking to that woman who just horrifically abused. I mean, just yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And she realizes in that moment that she can take what she went through and now pay it forward and help other people that are going through that. And because of what she went through, she's actually uniquely positioned to bring a degree of empathy and love and respect to people that are going through it that nobody else could bring. And so she, you see her realize in real time the power of this horrible thing that's happened mm-hmm. to her. And I mean, that, that's just beyond amazing. So learning to do things like that in your mind, to own it, like even if, like forget the thing, like own moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another thing uh, Tucker talks about in this episode is emoning,
0: oh, sorry, owning your emotional responsibility. And I know you've talked a lot very powerfully about controlling your emotions, and I wanted to ask you, how does, how does his ideas around sort of really owning your emotions relate or compare to your own thoughts on that?
1: Well, the one thing that he talked about, which I've never really thought about before, is maybe because this isn't my struggle, tying what you're thinking to how you're feeling, which is pretty interesting. And, and he talks about that. Part of his job as a parent is getting his children to <clears throat> connect that, to connect what they're feeling with what they're thinking and to really get them to walk through that. And him saying that that's really what psychotherapy did for him was it allowed him to really embody the feeling, to connect it to the intellectual side of him, uh, which I thought was really, really interesting. I think about it from a slightly different perspective, which is I want to not be controlled by my emotions, right? So because emotions are real, you're Mm -hmm. actually feeling them, they are a neurochemical state, they feel valid. And so when you're having this neurochemical reaction, you want to go into a a primal sort of animalistic response, which is to, um, from an action standpoint, ride the wave of that emotion. So when you're mad, you yell, you scream, you, you you get amped up. And one study that I read that really, really hit me was one that showed that your mind retroactively justifies whatever reaction you perform. So Mm. if you feel frustrated and you lash out and you do this big thing, then your mind goes, yeah, that was really worth getting pissed off about, right? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All because you got pissed off. Whereas if you, like this horrible thing happens to you, like let's take my man Nelson Mandela, Think about what's going on in his mind when he comes out and goes, I'm not going to seek retribution. I'm going to seek unification. Then his mind is like, Yeah, like that's exactly what you should do. That was the right answer, man. Well done. Good on you, right? So the next time somebody assaults him, does something wrong, he's more likely to respond with the kindness, the unification, because his brain is saying, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was how you should have done it, right? Simply because. That's what he did do, which is why violence begets violence mm-hmm. and peace begets peace. It's like, it, your brain is like the ultimate justification machine. And if you look, now let's really get crazy for a second. If you look at the studies on free will and they find that a subconscious part of your brain decides whether you're gonna raise your left hand or your right hand long before you're consciously aware of it. Really fascinating studies. I won't go into the detail. But for now, just trust me that what they can do, they can fuck with you. And they can get you to raise your left or your right hand and predict it ahead of time. It's super surreal and it gives people this really bizarre sense of like how of like you have ESP. Because they believe that they of their own free will and volition, decided to raise their re- left hand or their right hand. But the people watching the brain scan realize you're going to raise your left mm-hmm. because it fires up to 10 seconds ahead of time in your subconscious. How crazy is that? So absolutely insane. So that to me is like, you've got to really get good if you're going to be able to take control of those emotions because your brain is going to go through this whole process of justifying why you went down whatever path you went down, but the reality is, at the end of the day, you can control that cycle. So if you just decide, when I'm angry, I'm not gonna display anger, your mind will then go, ah, okay, then this wasn't that big of a deal. And that's what I'm talking about, getting in control. So now, instead of riding the wave of the emotion, you go towards your goal. Right, and then is there a point at which
0: you evaluate that anger at a later time to see what was behind that emotion?
1: You have to a hundred percent. And so people have asked me like, how do you become more self-aware? And the first time somebody asked, I thought, man, my instinct is just be like, I don't know. And then I thought, let me, let me just right now hold myself to a standard. What is it that you're doing to get self-awareness? And it's a fairly slow process, but it starts with I'm having an emotion. Now, everybody, when you're having an emotion, usually at the beginning, you don't realize it. You feel like I am simply responding to truth. I am responding to this situation, in the only way that makes sense, right? That, I mean, that's what it feels like. Right. This person has wronged me. I'm going to respond in kind to being wronged. Like, and, and you just, all of that happens automatically. But if you can say, oh, I'm having an emotion, and at some point, as usually the emotion is now sort of on the downslope, you realize, wow, I'm really pissed off about something. So if you can start, oh, I'm pissed off, okay, once I know I'm having an emotion, then I can ask myself, what's this emotion tied to? Oh, they did this, okay, well, why does that make me mad? Oh, I'm actually insecure about it. Then you can get to like the real reason. But you have to work yourself through that process, and then it's just about scooting everything back. So realizing that you're having the emotion this, I'm just skipping ahead to like the punchline, realizing you're having the emotion before you react. And so, this is logo therapy. Victor Frankel, who we were talking about earlier, gave birth to this. And he said, between stimulus and response is your, you get to decide what direction you go. And everything has to do with how you train yourself in that gap, and that you can actually elongate that gap by becoming more and more aware of it. Hmm. Very interesting.
0: Um, Tucker max says that one of his takeaways from therapy was that. Um, he realized that psychotherapy is the same as Buddhism. They just come at the problem in extremely different ways, which I thought was fascinating. Um, he says you're going to suffer and you have to learn how to accept it, to acknowledge the suffering and then to move on from it. So I w- just wanted to get your thoughts cause you also talk a lot about suffering and, uh, you love Buddhism as well.
1: It's it's, um, when he said that I was like, wow, like I've, One, because I know so little about psychotherapy. I've never thought about the two as coming to that conclusion. Um, But when he said it, I thought, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's it's sort of the, there are only so many things that are true in life. So for something to last as long as both psychotherapy and Buddhism obviously has lasted a lot longer, but for those two things to um, have stood the test of time, And they, they have to be pointing at something that's at least directionally correct. So for him to make that parallel, I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense Mm. that, that they really are getting to that thing, which is suffering is real. You're not going to be able to escape it. Um, coming to some sort of term and peace with it. I, I don't know enough, honestly, even about Buddhism to know if Buddhism and psychotherapy really agree, like would Buddhists and psychotherapists listening to tucker max go you're absolutely right. <laughs> right right or would there be some disagreement i don't know um but i loved it i thought that was an amazingly good parallel to draw what do you guys think let us know yeah drop drop the the, comments. especially if we have got some people that know about one or the other or both that'd yeah. be really amazing it's an interesting topic
0: um Usually I would read some YouTube topic uh, comments, but we are pre-recording, released, yeah, We're pre-recording this one. But we do love your comments on YouTube um, and, and all over social. So please continue sending them our way, so we can read them. Those are all the uh,
1: questions I have for this episode Nice. After Impact. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Watch this episode if you haven't already. I really, really like this. We go super deep on transformation, and I really believe that Tucker is one of the most impressive, like just broad scale transformations I've ever seen. And because it all happened in front of the camera, you get to see who he was you know, 15, 20 years ago mm-hmm. on up to who he is now. It's, it's a really extraordinary transformation. So anybody that's thought about wanting to on a deep and authentic level make change in their life, this is an amazing episode to watch. So be sure to check it out. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And if this added value to your life, please do share it. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.